Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. going on friends and welcome to the monday smash on a three-day weekend hope everybody has enjoyed the extra day and took some time to reflect on what is mlk day and it's also ira a pre-game show of sorts for your boy over here as the bucks That's kick nice. off uh in an hour and 15 minutes he's irish Fell, the managing editor of warchant.com my name is tom lang welcome in everybody how you doing ira i'm good man not just for you tom this is a this is america's uh, wild card game this is uh this yeah. is a big deal, man. This is you got the Cowboys, you got Tom Brady, Monday yep. Night Football. This is uh, it's a big deal, man. I, we all have a vested interest in this, I think. We do, and uh, you know the four letter network loves that they can point the finger at somebody tomorrow and keep that news cycle going for a couple of days. So that's what's going on in the pros and the college ranks where you love your Florida State Seminoles. A lot has happened since last time we convened on the Smash. Florida State now has a defensive backs coach for one. And then also the portal happenings. Things keep on developing. Uh, it closes, Ira. Thankfully, I think we're all looking forward to this. The portal <laughs> closes this window on the 19th. That's uh, in just a few short days. Uh, but where would you want to start tonight, Mr. Managing Editor? Are we going to talk defensive backs, Coach, or some of the things that have happened in the portal for FSU? I, I think we should start with uh, Patrick Sertan taking over as a defensive backs coach just because um, that we think that's officially going to be announced here pretty soon. Uh, you know, we knew the hire was made about a week ago, um, but with the Miami Dolphins still playing in the in the ostensibly playing in the playoffs, although they gave it a much better run than anybody expected wow. uh, yep. up at Buffalo. That was an impressive game. It was a, it was the Dolphins played like a cold weather game. They were playing like field goals and running game. And, you know, if they could throw the ball at all, they might have won that game. But um, and defense, obviously. But um, with Patch Sertan being on that staff, he obviously was not available to join Florida State yet. Uh, I think there's still some, you know, paperwork stuff that has to be finished for him to uh, start here. But I think it could be, you know, any day. And the and the big the reason it's a big deal is because number one, getting uh, familiar with the current players that he'll be coaching, but then also uh, becoming a factor in recruiting. We also, you know, Michael Langston and the other re re recruiting writers uh, reported this weekend that he actually was already talking to some recruits by phone. But it'll be different when he can actually get recruits on campus. They can meet him. He can go on the road and recruit. Uh, it's going to be a big – I think it's going to give uh, Florida State a little jolt in recruiting. Which is something that, you know, if you're talking about the boxes that aren't checked for Coach Norvell, high school recruiting is maybe the one – one of the few that that is not uh, in terms of what he's done so far in his time in Tallahassee. And, Ira, the number one thing I was hoping for uh, in a defensive backs coach hire for Florida State was that they had significant ties to this region. You know, it, it could have been the state of Florida. It could have been the, the Georgia area, Alabama. I didn't care. But the southeastern region of the country, if you have some ties there, that really helps. But this just seems like a home run hire on, on paper because you've got a guy who has credibility as a former NFL player, a badass at the NFL level in Sertan, then also a high school state championship winning head coach, and then also NFL experience in the coaching ranks as well. So this just seems like uh, the product of what I would assume would be the best resume pile Mike Norvell has had since he's taken over at Florida State in terms of making a new hire, making a change. This place is in demand again. That's what this type of hire tells me. Yeah, there's no question. You know, this is probably a hire you couldn't have made a year ago. And um, and I think, you know, when you look at uh, what, what 
you know, Mike Norvell's looking for. I mean, I think it checks all the boxes. And I was really excited. I wrote a story earlier in the week um, when I talked to Bryant McFadden. Uh, everybody knows BMAC from his days playing at Florida State, playing in the NFL. And I remember talking to him, and I've also, you know, just talking to T-Buck and different people that have played the cornerback in the NFL. And they talk about the difference um, between playing defensive back in college versus the NFL. It is a different level. There's a lot of things between college and the NFL that don't change a lot. I do think that that position, uh, the passing game in particular, uh, is different at that level. And I think that uh, when you've played at that level and you've been a guy that's been seen, BMAC said that Pat Sertan would, would kind of help coach him when he was a young cornerback in the league in the early 2000s. Um, I just think there, it's it's a no-doubter. I mean, I, you know, again, I, you know, there were a lot of names floated out there, and uh, I think this is as good as they could have done. I think it's, you know, the one uh, the one question people have is the fact that he has not been a, a college position coach on the field. But I just think that the fact that he's what he's done uh, from developing players and, and because of who he was as a player, I just don't think that's going to be a big concern. This is the Monday Smash. Nearly 200 of you rolling in here on Warchant TV so far as the numbers grow. Do us a favor, if you would, please hit the like button underneath this video. And if you haven't, subscribe to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. It's also presented by our friends at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. And Ira, do I detect uh, not a spirit per se, but what do you got over there tonight? Going, going domestic, buddy. Going domestic, a little Bud Light. All right. Uh, All right. Need to replenish my red stripe supply, so I'm uh, just going with the basic domestics tonight. So that's but, okay. Uh, looking forward to the game, man. I'm trying to get uh get excited for the, the Monday night game. Yeah, for me right now, it's nothing. Uh, this is uh, you feel the butterflies, you experience them. You don't need anything. Uh, so uh, maybe once we get to 8:15 for kickoff, something might be opening up. But uh, trust us, folks. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits is the place to be to get you set up for your game day. Uh, Florida State in the portal as well this week. Ira uh, got another defensive end. And then, unfortunately, a departure that was, at least to me, somewhat unexpected in Malik McLean, wide receiver Malik McLean, who has entered his name into the transfer portal. That was going to be a loaded receiver room. Ira, we'll start there. I just thought maybe spring camp would sort out some issues, and then maybe you might see some names pop in. But Malik uh, entered his name into the transfer portal before the winter window was closed. Uh, were you surprised by that? Not totally, just because I think he had not announced one of those uh, NIL deals. Um, from what my recollection, I don't think he had signed one. So that made me kind of wonder. And then you started to hear some kind of whispers that he might be looking. Um, and, you know, I think it's a, as far as the timing goes, yeah, I think it for, mo for a lot of players, it would make sense to go through the spring. But I think Malik McLean looks at that depth chart and looks at the fact that you know, he started nine games two years ago. He only started three games this past season. And the longer, um, you know, the, the, the Johnny Wilson and and and, and they've, they've got some other big-bodied kind of position – or, excuse me, big-bodied receivers that, that play a similar position that he plays. Um, I just think he, he, he probably looks at it as the, there's not going to be more opportunities this season than there were last season. And, you know, it's not like he got a ton last year. So what, it's not surprising. Um, you know, it's not one where – you know, again, I, I think I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. The difference between, you know, a year ago and two years ago was when you lost players, you kind of were happy to see them go. Now, when you're losing a Malik McLean and a Treshawn Ward and and some of these other guys who are, you know, were contributors, Amari Gaynor, they were good guys, good players, good teammates, very popular. You saw the reactions on Twitter. You know, Malik McLean, when he went in the portal, uh, several current FSU players, you know, tweeted about it, that they were sad to see him go. And I think you know, again, you're, you're, you now you're starting to, you're starting to, it's kind of like, uh, you're starting to cut into the bone a little bit, you know, it, yeah, you know, yeah. those, those hurt a little bit, but at the same time you understand it because just like with Trayshawn Ward, we understood where he was thinking. And I, you know, I can, I don't begrudge Malik McLean either. It's just, this is the nature of uh college football these days. Setting up to be a really, really interesting spring camp are not just because of the access we get, but with all these new names and these these key positions, it's uh, it's going to be something fun to watch when they open camp up in about six weeks' time, give or take. We don't know the first day of uh, spring practice just yet. But look at all these names of guys that have come in. I mean, you, you've lost pretty much three starters on the offensive line because Jazz may not have been a starter if, if there wasn't some injury issues, but he played a ton of snaps. And then you lose both your starting guards. So you've got reinforcements on the way there. Keandre Jones is going to be in the mix. Jeremiah Byers, of course, uh, and then Casey Roddick from Colorado uh, trying to fill in some gaps. Julian Armella is obviously going to be a name that we watch very closely in the offensive line. 
you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this whole group integrates up front, the starting five. And then the defensive line, you get Braden Fisk. Is it Fisk or Fisky? I, I, I'm not sure. We'll learn it, I guess. I think we're going to find out when we have a Zoom with him. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the newcomer Zoom. That's also something that's coming up here in a bit. But I, I'm really pumped uh, to go out there and cover these practices in spring because there's just so much to learn. And now you're getting uh, loaded up in terms of depth on both lines of scrimmage. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, and real quick, um, I saw a couple of comments in the chat about Charles Lester. Uh, Florida State did have a big recruiting weekend this weekend. Michael and uh, Aslan did a video that's up on the channel. If you go to War Chant on YouTube, you can find that video, or it's up on the website as well, uh, where they kind of broke down a lot of the visitors uh, for Saturday's Junior Day. Charles Lester was one of them, big-time cornerback, defensive back out of uh, uh, in, an in-state player who is uh, – you know, probably I think Michael says he's at the top of their board uh, for cornerbacks. Um, and he was, you know, sounds like he's very impressed with Florida State. He grew up a fan of Florida State. Everything's kind of pointing in the right direction, but he's not a guy that wants to decide early. Um, so he's going to take his five official visits. So I don't think there's going to be any news as far as Charles Lester goes until, you know, probably at some point in the football season. Um, but Florida State's in great shape. You couldn't ask for a better place than where Florida State is right now. And it sounds like he was excited, like a lot of those DBs were, about the Patrick Sertan hire. Um, but yeah, no, as far as spring practice, I, it's uh, it's funny. When I was talking to BMAC the other day about Pat Sertan, he made the comment that you know he feels like when he looks at these acquisitions, you went out in the portal, you had a pretty loaded team coming back, loaded by Florida State standards, not by Georgia standards, but you had a pretty loaded team coming back. And then you went out and got nine or ten transfers who were among the best transfers in the country. So now – you're talking about a completely different animal. And, and what BMAC was saying is he thinks there's some positions in the spring where you're going to have ones backing up ones. Yep. And I think that's probably true. I mean, I think when you look at what they've done at defensive tackle, uh, what you, you know, what they could be doing at cornerback. Um, I think, you know, what they're doing at some of the positions on offense. Yeah. I, it's, it's, there's not gonna be much of a drop off and that's a, such a huge departure from where we were two years ago, but even last year at some positions. Yeah, agreed. And it's like, where do you begin when you talk about what is the most interesting thing? A position group? Uh, is it Sertan coming in and watching his coaching style? Uh, it's the battle for backup roles in some cases, too. And, and that's a question from Connor, who was asking about Charles Lester. But he says, do you think any of the quarterbacks might leave? Well, this week, Tate Rodemaker was signed by the battle's end to an NIL deal. So that's a positive signal that Tate obviously is in the fold for this year, Ira. But now that they know what they have in Jordan Travis, I think it's going to be kind of interesting this spring you don't necessarily have to roll them out there for every rep. If you're trying to settle who is going to be the number two, this is a, a camp of opportunity for one AJ Duffy as well. That's going to be fun to watch in the spring. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I, I'm not surprised that, that, that Tate Rodemaker decided to stay. A lot of people I think were wondering, um, but I'm not surprised at all because a, first of all, you got to remember Tate Rodemaker's dad is a Georgia high school football coach. And, you know, we've gotten to know him through the years and he's not built from the, the cloth of, oh, you're just going to run if you don't win a job right away or if there's not a door open right now. I think he's going to stay for a while, and, and he already has stayed for a while. And so, and I think he sees the improvement he made over the last year, and the reality is he's one play away. He's one sprained ankle away of having to go in there and play, and he's clearly the number two right now. Uh, then you say, okay, well, some people ask about A.J. Duffy. Well, A.J. Duffy's a very confident young quarterback, and he thinks, and he can spin it. He's got talent. And he thinks, okay, well, at some point I'm going to beat out Tate Rodemaker. I'm going to be the guy. Well, then you'll have Brock Glenn coming in, but neither of those guys is going to expect. They know how difficult it's been for them or how challenging it has been to, for them to learn the offense. They're not going to expect Brock Glenn to beat them out. And so I, I think they're in a really good situation. I think you could keep all four quarterbacks. I think you keep all four quarterbacks healthy going into that battle in 2023 and, or excuse me, into 2024. And uh, I think they're in a good shape. And I, you know, I, I, I I think it's a great situation, especially because I don't know that, you know, we'll see if AJ is ready to play in 2023 at the end of 2022, we were out there at practice. There was no time where we felt like, okay, AJ has to get on the field. I mean, he's still learning this offense. It's, it's taken, it took Jordan Travis some time. It's taken Tate Rodemaker some time. It's not going to be a surprise if it takes AJ Duffy some time. I agree. Yeah. In practice day to day, there was nothing outstanding where you say, well, he might be the backup, you know, but then again, this is if I'm AJ Duffy, I'm looking at 2023 and saying, if I could be one play away in this offense with all these playmakers, you know, that's another thing that would keep a quarterback around here in Tallahassee is 
man, if I get a chance to go with this offense, the way that Mike Norvell calls it, Alex Atkins schemes it up, but then you have all these weapons on the perimeter. You just brought in two new new novel weapons in the offense in Kyle Morlock uh, and uh, another Bell. 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 So many names. You got to keep them all. Uh, <laughs> and then all the running backs and Trey Benson leading the way there. But there's another, you know, two or three guys that could be uh, contributors, Ira. Like, this is a place that you want to be. That's the other thing about Malik McClain, where I was a little bit surprised. If you could fight to climb that depth chart a little bit, this is a high-profile offense. If you're trying in this NIL era to build your brand, you want to be here. And it's amazing how quickly that, that is flipped. In one short year, it is flipped from a dearth of wide receiver weapons to there's only one football. How are they going to share this thing? You know, the other interesting thing, that when you mentioned Trey Benson and, and uh, Trey, uh, excuse me, Trey Benson and Jared Verse, they're two guys who Saturday, this is just, it's kind of cool where we are in college football to some degree. I know a lot of people don't like NIL and there's a lot of, you know, frustrations about different parts of it, but those two guys are, you know, two of the highest profile guys that came back this year and they get to sit courtside at the basketball game on Saturday and they're sitting with the rising spirit people and it's okay. You know, it's okay. Like they, they're, they're, they're sitting, those seats at courtside do not come cheap. Tom and I are not buying seats courtside at an FSU basketball game, but they get to be there and it's okay. Like they don't have to like sneak in, you know, because somebody's got, I mean, it's just, so I think that that perspective and now, and everybody recognizes them, they're getting stopped for selfies everywhere. Florida State football is kind of getting that elevated status again, man. Two or three years ago, if a Florida State football player walked by, people weren't like hounding them for autographs. They were kind of walking on by. So I think, uh, you know, that's good for recruiting. I mean, I think it's good for, it's just good for everything that the program is in such a good place right now. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that happened. Reliable resellers ask, is Rising Spear and Battle's End, are they the same organization? They are not. They're not. Two different collectives. Battle's End emerged towards the end of the calendar year in 2022. And it seems like uh, Reliable Resellers, that uh, Battle's End is fixated on football and football alone, at least for the uh, first chapter of its uh, existence. And yeah, Rising and, and, Spear spreads it around a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, and to clarify, Rising Spear is spreading it around. They, do th- they have an event tonight for women's basketball. They are doing the other sports as well. But they're not totally out of football, from my understanding. So um, it's not as if it's either or. There is a little bit of overlap. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's all good for Florida State because they're supporting Florida State athletes. So another quick question about the quarterbacks from Connor. Uh, What is the future after JT? So, Ira, if you were handicapping it right now for 24, you kind of answered this already. But if you're previewing the year after this one, do you think it could be Tate's job? That Tate would hang around and and he would be the incumbent? Or do you think that – Maybe A.J. Duffy or, or somebody else emerges by that point, just as we sit here right now, way into the future prognostication. I think it's going to be a great battle. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Tate. I mean, yeah. I think Tate's better right now. Now, A.J., his second year, we could see a big jump. Um, but but it's really going to be up to A.J. Because what happens during this year, um, you know, where, where they know Jordan is the guy, just like last year where they knew Jordan was the guy, if they take this year – every day to get better and better and better and seize every moment and every rep. And, and, and maybe he can close that gap. But if AJ just waits till the end of 23 for Jordan yep. to leave, to then kind of get really into the battle, it might be too late. Tate might have a sizable advantage. I think one thing that really helped Tate Rodemaker is, and we don't talk about it a lot, but when Chuba left that, I think opened the door for Tate to feel like, okay, I'm the number two guy. Now I think Tate always felt like he was pretty buried on the depth chart especially the year before when McKenzie was here too. But when, when, when Chubba left and McKenzie moved on, I think Tate realized, okay, I've got to get serious now and I've got to get focused. And you saw him elevate his level. But we saw it at practice long before, you know, everybody else got to see it in game and AJ needs to do the same thing or Tate could kind of build stack that lead. And that's again, why I, I'd wonder at least in spring camp, if maybe Jordan doesn't take it easier, they dial it back a little bit. They know what they've got in him. He's got to work with some of these new targets. There's no doubt about that. But if you wanted to break in this quarterback right. battle, really go deep dive into it, they've got a real chance coming up uh, with spring practice. Michael Langston is uh, lurking in the chats, as they're saying. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? He's working very hard for us on oh, um, the side of things. And uh, folks are saying hello to him. We say to ho- hello to you, nearly 350 of you right now on Sunday. Excuse me. Oh, that's my first mistake. Monday. Okay. Monday smash, which uh, an announcement for you folks. Moving forward, the smash in the offseason, at the very least, will be on Monday nights. We see you out there. We see when you're on the YouTubes and uh, when you want to check out Warchant TV. 
And as it turns out, Monday nights seem like a pretty busy night. So moving forward, 7 p.m. here on Warchant TV, the smash will be on Monday nights. And Ira, you know what? For the NFL playoffs moving forward, it's not a bad thing. I, I think we made a good decision there. Don't want to go head-to-head with the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good choice. I, I'm confident in us, Tom, but that that might that might work out better for us. Uh, that would and, be, yeah, and and it uh, yeah gives people a chance to kind of get excited. We don't you know you don't need to watch the NFL pregame stuff. You can watch us and talk Florida State before we watch the uh, the NFL. Indeed, we are here on Monday Smash, presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirit. Sounds like Ira's got a refill. Hopefully, you do right now as well. Let us know what you're having in the chat if you are uh, enjoying the third of a three day weekend the third night one more nfl game to go but ira again i'll stay on football here just because you can't talk enough about it right now uh i can't wait to watch those trench drills i've already talked about that but i I love that part of camp and that part of practice where you can get to see the guys improve day by day going head to head playing physically instead of seven on seven but it's going to be tough this spring to not turn your eyes towards some of the scaly drills and the seven on seven work the individual receiver versus defensive backs I'm just curious, where's your head at as as we there's a tour of duty to get done before we even get there. But when we're covering it day to day, where are you going to be spending your time, do you think? You know, it's funny, like there's definitely a lot of fun toys to watch, you know, the skill positions, yeah. like you said. But but I I'm really, really intrigued by some of those offensive linemen, uh, particularly, you know, obviously uh, Byers, uh, the offensive guard from UTEP, but then also. You know, Roddick from Colorado, and then um, is it Jones from Auburn? Uh, Keandre yeah. Jones? Keandre Jones, yep. Keandre Jones and Byers are the one to me that I'm really excited about because those are just huge human beings that I think, you know, Byers obviously has had tremendous success uh, already in college football. Jones was in and out of the starting lineup at Auburn. But again, you're talking about these are a different caliber of human beings from a physical standpoint than what we've seen for a long time. And, you know, I think if you think back to, you know, three or four years ago, what Florida State was putting on the offensive line. Then we look at these last two years where they made all this improvement, but they've been doing it with guys that are, you know, I don't just, I don't think they're quite to this level of, of a size and athlete. And mm-hmm. so that to me is going to be really interesting. I want to see, and I think Keandre Jones, I have a feeling he may be, um, he was better in, earlier in his career at Auburn than he was last year. I think he might have dealt with an injury and then he, they were having a, a, a tough year. They had a coaching change. I think there's a chance Alex Atkins is going to bring the best out of him like he's done with some of these other transfers. And I think those two guys are going to be really fascinating to watch uh, this spring. Six foot four, 341 pounds. Ira, there might be a world, a universe in which you have Keandre Jones and Kaniah Charlton on the field at the same <laughs> right. time. And that would be an immense amount of beef. You're right. It's, yeah. you know, they'll be able to field more live drills as well, too. Uh, there was a brief period of time in fall camp before the injuries where they had two fields running at the same time. It was like the Jimbo days. But then uh, injuries at center and at tackle, I think, derailed those plans a little bit. They should be able to conduct practice, if they want to, uh, in that similar fashion where they could have offense well, versus defense on two different fields. That's a great point. Yeah, at one point, there were 17 guys out there, and then we we made we made a big deal about that, and then they had some injuries, and it, it got yeah. down a little bit. But um, we're kind of – we get so excited about these transfers, but I thought about when you just said that, there's a lot of dudes that have ability that we just haven't seen yet. Yep. Um, you know, it was Bryson Estes and Armella and some of the guys you mentioned earlier, but there's a uh, Kanaya Charlton and some of those young guys, um, Kayshawn Sapp. And again, I mean, it goes on and on. They signed a really good offensive line class last year out of the high school rank, six guys. And now you, you know, combine those with all the transfers and the returning guys. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm going to be focused. I think, I think I'm really excited to see that offensive line group. Well, then we're going to be standing next to each other all spring camp long, buddy, because also <laughs> Lucas Simmons is coming into the fold as, you know, a younger player, but he's a bona fide tackle. Uh, and, and that's great that you have a true tackle prospect. It's going to be tough. And, you know, this might be, dare I say, Ira, a situation where Florida State maybe a year, maybe short, sooner than that, they could be having offensive linemen enter the transfer portal that are good. Like maybe no. that's where Florida State is going. But it seems to be trending that way, and it's kind of nuts. Well, I mean, yeah, we think again – a calendar year ago, if if somebody came in and they could play the position, they would have been like treated like a king, um, yeah. you know. And then like you know, again, like last off season, we didn't know going into at the end of last spring, we were still very curious about that offensive line because they hadn't gone out and gotten Jazz and Turnantine and Dimitri Emmanuel and 
Um, I think there was another one they might have added late, but at least those two that they added late. And uh, but they were a huge difference. Okay, uh, Kane Lyles. No, he was in early. Lyles was winter, I think. But yeah, yeah, I think there was one more that they brought in late, but but it made all the difference. And now here you are, and it is uh, it's a deep room. Yeah, like remember Bless Harris? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like you got Bless Harris, you got Darius, Maurice Smith again coming back, and what an anchor he was at center for Florida State. We thought that was going to be a problem, and he pushed it to play in the LSU game. And he never came off the field. That that was a big development for FSU this year. But they've got to find some redundancy at multiple positions. And maybe a guy like Thomas Schrader could even develop. Right. But he had injury issues all season long. Right. So a ton to sort out on the offensive line for FSU. And that's one thing we're going to cover very, very closely on Warchant. A question from Tom, Buffalo Tom. What kind of format should we expect for the spring game? Well, Tom, I've got one suggestion of the, uh, something that shouldn't happen for the spring game. Ira, can we not do two-point plays? <laughs> Open up the let's spring not, game this year. Let's not, let's not start with the two. That was not a successful experiment. Oh. Yeah, did that's what to you in the press box that that was going to happen, or did it just begin? And you're like, what is this? We had absolutely no idea what the hell they were doing. It was like, what is happening here? And uh, and then, yeah, then they start throwing pick sixes. You know, the thing – I don't know. It's funny because Mike, Mike Norvell does a lot of things geared towards marketing. You know, he's he yep. is he's not just a football coach – some coaches just want to do their job and let marketing people figure out marketing. I think Mike Norvell does some things to, to, to do some marketing, like whether it's comments he makes, whether it's speaking directly to the fans at a press conference, there are things, there are times he, he really sees that as valuable, but for whatever reason, that spring game format, I did not think was, was from a marketing standpoint. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see them revisit that and, and not start off with the two point plays for sure. I no. think as far as the format goes, I think you'd like to think it could be more like a game. It's always hard because college yeah. football is not like it used to be. I mean, it's just the rosters are so fluid, but this might be a year where maybe you could do more of it. Tom, this, this roster is pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's pretty solid. It's deep. And what I would do Ira, and, and I've said this on every show that we have, especially coming right out of last year's spring game, the, the practice before, the spring game itself. Florida State did a goal line drill where it was, I think, the first to 10 either way. Stops for the defense or scores for the offense. It wasn't quite a two-point play drill, but they communicated it to us. They had it up on the scoreboard, offense and defense. They were you know, doing the bean counting. It came down to the final one. I think it was 9-9. Nine, yeah. nine. That was 20 minutes of awesomeness. I that really was. loved that. If they could put that in the format, yeah. guys over at FSU, please save that particular drill for the spring game. People would get behind it, I think. There's no doubt it would be fun. I, I don't have any doubt about that. I wonder if they'd be leery of doing it uh, yeah. because we have we have some understandings about if somebody gets banged up, how we handle it. Thankfully, nobody got yeah. hurt that day, but but you could see a battle like that having some casualties, and you hate to see that in the spring game. For a long time, you know, FSU fans was did Kendra. I think Kendra got hurt in a spring game. Um, yeah. There's always people that are leery of the spring game, so I don't know if they would do it. But you're right, man. That from from an entertainment value. That was the coolest thing maybe we've ever seen at a Florida State practice. Yeah, I totally agree. And to do it in the stadium, too, that was pretty yeah. neat. So that's what's going on across the board in football. Uh, I mean, the transfer portal continues to be very active. Michael Langston did chime in with one little nugget about the portal. He says, my only comment is uh, FSU will be more patient with some names uh, because no enrollment was possible before spring ball. So. Uh, if Florida State couldn't get him on uh, in, enrolled for spring, then you might as well wait and see what's out there. Because, Ira, it seems like in this day and age of the portal, a name that you don't expect appears every single day. So you don't want to fill up your roster without seeing what's out there. And I would assume that, you know, after spring ball, either guys graduate or they lose out a position battle. There's going to be a whole new another slew of potential players that want to come to Tallahassee and play for Florida State. Yeah, that's a good point by Michael. And I really think, you know, that's been one of the keys to success for Norvell, especially last year, and really both these last two years, they not only identified good players, guys that could fit and, and fill uh, holes, fill needs, but also guys that were able for, available for the spring semester. Guys yeah. that went in the portal early, that they identified early, and they could get committed early so they could go through spring practice. And I think that was a big deal because, you know, again, we look back to Andrew Parchment the year before. If Andrew Parchment had come in in January – Maybe he has a bigger impact. I mean, obviously he had the great catch against Miami, but he didn't have a big impact that whole season. I don't think he really ever understood the offense. But if he had come in in January, then maybe he would. They've done a much better job with that. 
And uh, so to Michael's point, yeah, guys that went into the portal in December that they could jump on and get them in for the, for the spring. I think they put a premium on those guys and it makes sense as he said to, to kind of slow the roll a little bit with some of these other guys who are going in the portal now. Well, and you mentioned the receiver position, and even though he was transferring in last year, Winston Wright is like a brand-new get. Florida State never got to use him, and this year it's going to be like having another brand-new player in the offense, and we'll see uh, Winston Wright's health and progress as we get into spring camp. Z-Chan, the official DMD of WarChan TV, <laughs> chimes in. Thank you, Z-Chan. Evening, gents. What is your estimation of percentage split? See, he says the hell with spring. I want to know about September. What do you think the split is going to be between FSU and LSU? I would think our that fan base is rabid. They had a great finish to the season in that yeah. same building at the uh, the proper uh, cheese at Citrus Bowl. Uh, that's going to be a 50-50 split. If the distribution is even, they're going to travel. Probably, yeah. It'll be close to 50-50. I, the, and from what we understood, um, you know, whereas Florida State fans, you know, a lot of people talked about whether or not at Florida State and LSU played bowl games in Orlando, would their yeah. fans want to go to two games you know, seven or eight months apart, Florida State's fan base was like, yes, they all came to the Cheez-It Bowl. They filled more than way, way more than half of that stadium. And, um, you know, they're and they're, they're clearly going to be back in, in, in September. LSU didn't travel quite as strongly for their Orlando game, which makes you think maybe they made a, a business decision. You know, we're not if we're going to go once, we're going to go to the one in September. So I think it'll be close to 50-50. Does that feel like a playoff game to you, Ira? Because if Florida State were to win that game, you've got an ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of it. You have a free loss somewhere on the schedule. As long as you get to the ACC championship game, you know, you're going to get in that Final Four. This is the last year of the 14 playoff. To me, it just it almost feels like a, a preseason playoff game because you're not even getting going with the momentum of the year. The, the official schedule comes out two weeks from today. The ACC is going to release their football schedule on the 30th of this month. Uh, but that feels like a, a downright playoff game to start the year. And I, I can't imagine that uh, ESPN will spare any expense to hype that up too. You know, it's funny. Cause like I was talking to somebody about this the other day, you know, when Florida state beat LSU the first time, I, none of us knew how good LSU was. I don't know if the players knew how good LSU was. You know, there was yeah. so much talk um, kind of during the preseason about they were in the first year of a new coaching staff. They'd lost so many players, Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. To the portal when Ed Orgeron got fired, um, you know, Brian Kelly, would he be able to get those guys to buy in? And so at the time, even though Florida State won and it felt like a great win, I don't know that the players really realized how great of a win it was. Maybe they did. Some did, some didn't. Um, this game, man, the hype is going to be unreal. And so, yeah, you're right, man. It's going to, it's going to have that huge feeling of one of those kickoff classics, even though that's not really, I mean, it's not one of those traditions, it's not in Atlanta. It's not one of those traditional kickoff classics, but it's going to have that feel. And uh, the good thing is, I mean, I don't know what you think, but like, I, I feel like it's, you, you could get a big push if you, if you win it. I don't think it's the end of the world if you don't win it because you'd still, it doesn't do anything to your cha championship chances in the ACC battle. Um, and so, 
you know, I think you're you're still in contention for the ACC. And then if you if you win the ACC, you're kind of right back where you were. I don't, you know, it depends on how many losses you have, but it feels like there's a, there's a lot of reward. I don't think there's a ton of risk barring injury, which we saw in Atlanta. But uh, knock on wood, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, it oh, agreed. Um, I, I think it impacts your playoff chances significantly if you lose it, but it doesn't touch your ACC championship chances. And again, right. as a reminder, everybody in 2023 divisions are gone in the ACC. So even if Florida state was to, uh, which is a big seven, deal, it, it is because they, they got Clemson on the road this year. So, you know, if they win seven of their games, but then they, they stumble on the road at Clemson, which is, I mean, that's easily possible. They would get a crack at potentially Clemson again in the ACC championship game. Let's just assume that, you know, they iron out their details. They didn't have a great year. Uh, and and they were to run the table. Florida State would play again in Charlotte. You're not going to be blocked out of the Atlantic like has been the case before. So, you know, your ACC chances are unaffected, but if you really want to have the ultimate argument and a big-time card that you could pull, that win over LSU would just do wonders, Mm -hmm. and it it would not be a letdown, Ira, because this team will have massive expectations even with a loss, but it would would sting. It would take a couple weeks to shake that one off. You know, it's Uh, funny – well, and it's funny you just said, you know, when you mentioned just kind of the letdown, I was thinking mindset. You know, one of the things we talked about last week on Seminole Headlines and, uh, you know, and I, I, it's been in the back of my mind is just how this team's going to handle the expectations and the hype and bringing pre, preseason top five and all that. And uh, when I was talking to Coach Henshaw for Henshaw's House, which ran this weekend, people can find it at warchant.com. Uh, Coach Henshaw was saying, look, man, Mike Norvell is not going to let anything happen in terms of complacency or um, guys feeling too good about themselves. I mean, you and I are at practice every day. We can vouch for it. I mean, it's hard to imagine. He coaches guys like Jared Verse and Trey Benson and Jordan Travis, just like he does guys that are not producing. So that made me feel a little bit better. I thought Coach Henshaw made a good point that that Mike Norvell is not going to let either complacency from a 10-win season or guys getting the big head from, from what the success they had he doesn't think that's going to be a problem. And I think there's, there's, there's evidence to feel like that's probably true. I would agree. You could you could split this up so many different ways to motivate that group to come out the gate. Number mm-hmm. one, you play two 500 clubs, you know, that have, that have good uh, recruiting uh, classes to their credit before you kick off the games against Florida and Oklahoma, but the offensive and defensive lines struggled more against those opponents than a top 10 team or a top five team should. If you're going to be a playoff contender, you got to win a little bit more in the trenches. And so there's a challenge that Mike can issue to the players and remind them, turn on that tape against Florida and Oklahoma and say, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. They can also turn on the tape of the fourth quarter of the LSU game last year with the rally and, and not finishing the job. And, you know, Mike could point at himself and say the toss pitch play was something that, that obviously hurt us, but it, it doesn't matter. That was a game that Florida State had won and they nearly lost it. I think they might have if Brian Kelly goes for two at the end there. So you've got a lot of ways to make sure that this group is motivated. Uh, that, going was, that, that was like the uh... – the Ravens Bengals last night where the, uh, the quarterback yeah. sneak and it ends up being a touchdown the other way. Oh my God. <laughs> Just like, man, it re- reminded me of that. It was, a, that was a wild 14 point swing. Yeah. I mean, at that second quarter, you mentioned it earlier, but the bills Dolphins second quarter, first of all, it took like an hour and a half. That was the longest second quarter in playoff history. I don't care. That's just true. <laughs> it, it, it had, it took all these wild things to happen, but then they've got the lead to start the third quarter. They I had, mean, wow. I think at one point, at one point they were leading. I think I don't know, twenty four, twenty one, whatever it was. They were leading, and they had one hundred twelve yards of offense. But <laughs> yeah. it was just like, like the Ravens would have been. I don't. Or excuse me. The um, uh, the Bills would have been better off just punting when they got the ball instead because they kept turning it over deep in their own side of the field. Redbeard asks, uh, JT Heisman or not? I want to know what you guys think. So we discussed this a little bit on the JCS hour. I know you guys talked about it on headlines as well. Uh, you're, you're for it. You're okay with the JT for high Jordan Travis for Heisman.com, the hype, the promotion, all that kind of stuff. I see ghosts of 13 years ago, uh, with Christian Ponder. Uh, that was a really awkward press conference. I remember attending that going, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. If Christian's all about this. Um, but he's certainly a contender and a good performance that first game of the year, Ira. And he's on the, the inside track to at least get invited to New York, assuming that the offense produces and produces well. So I think he's a le- he's got a legitimate shot to be a Heisman candidate and invited to New York, but I think a lot of it depends on that first game and the performance against LSU. 
Yeah, and the reason I feel bad, and we didn't talk about too much on headlines. Uh, you know, I was ready for my argument because I know Corey uh, was not a fan of it, uh, but we ended up not really talking about it. But, you know, to me, there's a big difference between those two situations. First of all, when when they did it with Ponder, they were not as successful as this team was last year. And, and Ponder had not been quite as successful and prolific as this team was. And the team wasn't, the team wasn't as good. You know, it was like Ponder had got, it was almost like they were just pinning all their hopes on Ponder. Hey, this is something Give us something good to talk about. Whereas this is this, there's a lot more good about this team. It's not like Jordan Travis has to do it by himself. This is a much better football team than that team was at that point. The other thing is, look, look we we know where the ACC is right now, and we know where um, you know the, the media coverage is and hype and all of that stuff. Florida State has not even been discussed until the last couple months nationally. I mean, if you watch game day, they barely they never pick Florida State's games. There's just they're not part of the national discussion. It it started to happen uh, some this season, and I think it'll happen going into the off season, especially with some of these early polls that are out there. But man, I I'm I am look Florida State needs to toot their own horn because nobody else is going to do it. I think Jordan Travis is a is a fantastic college football player, and not only that, he's he's a good representative of the school. This is something that you know I think we don't really talk about, but. You know, Jordan Travis, you know, when Jameis won the Heisman, Jameis was going through so much stuff off the field that he, the university, I don't never felt like they could really put all their weight behind him and celebrate him because of what was going on off the field. Jordan Travis is a different deal. He's, I mean, he's just got such a positive image. He does such a good job of, of handling himself. He, you know, he doesn't say anything real exciting for the media's perspective, but that's part of it. I mean, he's just a very marketable player. I, I, I'm all for it. I think it's, and I get the people that worry about it, but the bottom line is if Florida state goes into the next season, five or seven or eight in the country and they lose to LSU, you're going to get trolled by people anyway. So whether or not you have a website for Jordan Travis, so I'm all for it. The Godfather has arrived in the chat. Ed Lemmix from DeLuna Coffee, our friend over there in the panhandle. If these transfer portal guys work out, we will have a very strong team. Look out, LSU, Clemson, Florida, and Miami. Ira, I guess I'll turn it this way, and thank you, Ed. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. It. And thanks, Z-Chan, I didn't mention earlier. Thanks, guys. If you were to rank the difficulty of these four opponents, where would you – and we'll go most difficult to least difficult. Where would you start? Because you could make an argument compelling yeah. – for both of those teams up front there, LSU yeah. or Clemson. We know uh, that we know the two we're not putting up there. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I, actually, who would you put last? That that so uh so we'll do you know what? Two picks. Pick one of LSU and Clemson, then pick one of uh, Florida Miami for two completely different reasons. <laughs> uh I would say that um I'm a little bit concerned about Clemson making a change on their coaching staff. I was yeah. I was really hoping Dabo was just gonna kind of double down. And tell everybody to screw off. I'm sticking with my coaches, and and uh, that bothered me a little bit. And you went out, and I think you made a good hire, and and they still have some players. You know, we'll have to see. But but right now, I would say um, I think LSU might be the tougher game. I think Clemson is because it's going to be up there. It's going to be a challenge. But I think Florida State might have a better roster than Clemson at this point overall. Um, LSU's got a really good roster too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now, I would pick uh, LSU as the tougher of those two. So I would go LSU and then Clemson. And then the other two, I'd put Florida ahead of Miami, but not much. And I think the offseason, as good of an offseason as Florida State's having, those two programs, ladies and gentlemen, are uh, <laughs> they are in it. It's like uh, it's like watching, you know, apes at the zoo throw, throw crap at each other. I mean, it's just uh, it's been yeah. one disaster after another. So that's. That's been fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Florida has been, I mean, it's been epic. It's been <laughs> epic. And I've got some friends from, you know, growing up in Clearwater, Tampa, uh, that went to UF. And I just would text them the eyes emoji. Like, you, you okay? <laughs> like, what's going on over there? <laughs> and I get responses like, don't talk to me. I, we're, we're not talking about that right now. It is, I mean, anything that can go wrong for Florida, you're bouncing checks. <sighs> First of all, you're, you're paying $13 million to a high school, not even Arch Manning. Like a four-star quarterback is getting 13, and then you can't pay the money. Like I would have expected Ruiz and Life Wallet to be the ones that were bouncing checks. I did not know Florida had a game like that. And then also their offensive line, which was really good last year, it's like an exodus. It's it's unbelievable what's going on there. Yeah, the Rashada thing is is it's almost comical, but it's you know you know that 
it's got like human being implications. I don't know what his situation. I don't know if he's a decent kid or not. On the from the appearances, doesn't seem great. The fact that he he allegedly took an eight or nine million dollar deal to go to Miami. Although we don't begrudge that. I mean, if people were offering yeah. us eight or nine million dollars or who knows, $13 million to go to a different school, we would all jump at it too. But the perception of him, him is probably going to be negative because he flipped from one to the other. And now there, you've got this this uh, issue. But um, yeah, man, it's a disaster. It's it's uh, Florida looks terrible. And I think they're, and it's not just, you know, it's not just the collective, it's it's the whole program. And I know the, the school can't be very hands-on with these collectives. So you're kind of at their mercy to some degree, but it's, it's, an, it's a bad situation. And and uh, yeah, I mean, again, so like this offseason has been great for Florida State. It continues to be really good. Things are moving in the right direction, but you can't help but appreciate the fact that you don't feel like those other two are really gaining ground on you right now. Oh, well, it's great. Yeah, because Miami, you know, it's it's a great class they hauled in, but, you know, in, instant impact this year. And then you're, you're going to navigate that well, without locker room problems because you're resetting everybody's market every si- single year. Go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, you, you're, you're, yeah, you got great players, but that's exactly what recruits, but that's exactly what Texas A&M did. And we, yeah. I don't know that we've seen a program, the model that seems to be working, I think is the schools that have like cherry picked a few players here or there uh, from an NIL perspective to kind of solidify roster teams that were already really good that brought in one or two players or, you know, what Florida state's done where you brought in proven players, uh, you know, and, and maybe reward them once they're here. They get NIL opportunities once they're here. But I don't know that we've seen a class of high school NIL guys come in and be real successful. And so I wouldn't put a whole lot of money on be, Miami being real successful right away. No, it's crazy, too, because it seemed like Napier had things going in the right direction. There was an identity when they came into Tallahassee. You know, look, they just lost to Vandy, and that's hilarious. But they had a, they had an identity of what they wanted to be about, physicality, ground and pound. And then if you get good Anthony Richardson, they were you're dangerous. And, and certainly uh, he did whatever he wanted uh, in the air that particular night as well. But it just it seemed like they had their stuff together and, and they had done the hard part, which is figure out what they're going to be about. And then out of nowhere, it's like watching a dude just tripping and falling and face planting, you know, <laughs> no burst into the concrete and saying, why? <laughs> you, you were fine. There's nothing in your way. And some of their losses, you know, we'll move on from talking about the Gators, but like you know, the loss to Vanderbilt where they threw it a bunch of times. They could have run it down Vanderbilt's throat. And then second half against Florida State, the play calling was weird. It was almost – I don't know if they were trying to showcase Anthony Richardson for some reason or maybe keep him happy for some reason. Um, yeah. But it just – it made no sense. And and so that's why their fans are frustrated because not only – they could, I think they could understand it if there's going to be a little bit of a process. But I don't think they felt like those – they don't feel like – I don't think they feel like, from talking to some Florida fans I know – that, that he put them in the best position to win those games. To the 400-plus of you who are watching Monday Smash, presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, hello there. If you like what you're doing right now, what you're watching, what you're hearing, make sure to hit the thumbs up underneath the video and subscribe to WarChan TV. It is absolutely free. So, Ira, in the last few minutes we have here before we sign off, I wanted to ask you about Athletic Director Michael Alford. You had a piece that ran on WarChant.com. Uh, Q&A with the athletic director at Florida State, who is, man, it's got to be a very pleasant place to work versus two or three years ago. But I, I'm just wondering, your talk with him, what was the the nature of it, and uh, how does he sound? Again, it, things are good right now for the most part. Basketball is having a rough year. You could point to obvious reasons why that's happening, and I, I, he used interesting language, too, when he discussed that. But what stood out to you about his demeanor and uh, your conversation? Yeah, I mean, man, he's he's feeling like a lot of Florida State fans are feeling right now. I mean, he's got a little more pressure on him because he has to turn the success. He has to capitalize on it. So, you know, this is what when they came in, uh, this administration, when you talk about Michael Alford as the new athletic director, uh, you know, the former athletic director, David Coburn, I just kind of want to tie this back to that real quick. You know, David Coburn and that regime, the end of John Thrasher's time, the reason John Thrasher put David Coburn in that position was because Florida State at that point – was really struggling financially. They had just made the decision to fire. Around that time, you fire Willie Taggart. You're on the hook for all of that money. You don't have a lot of money coming in because of you got COVID years and everything else. And David Coburn was really a good AD for, to some degree at that time because he could cut expenses and kind of keep the – he did such a good job of it. They actually were able to give back some of the money that they from furloughs and things like that when they had to cut expenses during the pandemic – so he did a good job of, of kind of getting expenses down. When Michael Alford got hired, he had a whole different agenda. 
And, yeah. you know, his bosses, the president, Richard McCullough, and also Peter Collins and the, and the board of trustees, the, the entire board of trustees, they're, um, you know, they're looking at it like, okay, we've got a head coach now going into his third season in 2022. And whatever you thought about Mike Norvell coming into this year and this academic year and this, this calendar year and this academic year, your best hope for success for Florida State football was for Mike Norvell to have success. Like you didn't want to end up having to make another change. You're still paying off Willie Taggart. So I thought they made a conscious decision about a year ago when Alford took over. Let, let's give him every resource we can. Let's beef up the, the the coaching staff, the analysts. Let's beef up the scouting department. Let's beef up the recruiting staff. Let's beef up the budget for that entire department and see what happens. And then sure enough, you go 10 and three. And I'm not saying that's the reason they went 10 and three, but you did that. Now you go 10 and three. Now it's Michael Alford's job to kind of really capitalize on that. You've got that positive momentum now going. You're still raising money for the football facility, the standalone facility. You're trying to sell tickets in, in advance for the Doe Campbell Stadium renovation, which is still in the works as well. So, you know, Michael Alford's job now went from making sure Mike Norvell could 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 have success, which he's done. Now it's turning that into real results and in, in fundraising and, and in terms of ticket sales and everything else from what we hear, uh, you know, uh, Jamie Warren, who works for Seminole boosters posts on our message boards and he'll take questions from, from people on our message boards about buying tickets and all that. He says the season tickets are doing tremendous so far. Uh, the demand is really up. So again, that's, this is all, you know, yeah. you've had the success. And if I, there's one thing I would say where Florida state missed the boat when Jimbo Fisher was here and I'm not going to get into the argument about whether Jimbo was right or the administration was right. I think they were both wrong in some areas. They're both right in some areas, but where they Florida, you cannot argue the fact Florida state did not seize the moment when they had, when Jimbo won the national title and then those next couple of years and they were having success and Florida and Miami were down, Florida state should have poured gas on it and they didn't. And now that's what they're doing. I mean, I think that's the goal right now. Because it's not only important for this year, this next year, but I think it's important for when this whole deck gets reshuffled for college athletics, Florida State wants to make sure they're in the haves, not the have-nots. Whether that's in the ACC, whether it's in a different conference, whatever it is. Um, so I think the key for Michael Offer right now is is really kind of seizing the moment and capitalizing on the success they had this season. A quick uh, just procedural question, I, I think, behind the scenes. I don't know if you know the answer or not, Ira, but Ronald wants to know, are we done paying Willie Taggart at this point? Pour one out for Willie Taggart. No, I don't think we're done. I think there's the checks are still coming. Uh, and, you know, and he's been fired from another job since then, so he, maybe he's getting two, uh, two sets. It's good to be Willie Taggart, Tom. It's it's not quite a Bobby Bonilla situation. <laughs> it's, it's close. 25 years <laughs> or until 2087. Uh, but Ronald, that's uh, that's the answer to that. Yeah, question. I don't I don't have the date in front of me, but I think it's still within the next year. Uh, All right, will be done. We'll wrap it up on this question because we're just getting going in the 2023 year, and a couple of these sports will bleed over into 24. Obviously, you know, no fans and everybody hopeful that there are two football games uh, in January of 2024. But I'll ask this open ended question, Ira, because Florida State does have a lot of success successful programs right now across the athletic department. Which program will go the farthest, if not winning a national championship? Which program will come the closest to a national championship in their given sport in the year to come? Where's your head at? Man. Uh, a lot of choices here. A lot you're, of good you're, you're, uh, you're tuned more into softball than I am. So that's like, that's my first initial guess. What do you, what do you, what do you hey, think? Is that? Uh, I think Enfield's going to hit 30 bombs this year, is what <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> That's a candidate. I think that uh, beach volleyball always makes it to like the yeah. final. Uh, soccer again. Uh, I know that they're losing a couple of players with the COVID eligibility yeah. extra year. And they're bringing. He, I think he's he's brought in a couple of his players from Tennessee yep. that yep. he played for at his pro previous school. I got a spooky feeling about baseball, Ira. I don't this look is, at you. I got a spooky feeling about this. I, I hey. think that they're going to go real far. I think they're going to Omaha this year. I'll drop one uh, nugget about baseball. Uh, somebody in the coaching profession who doesn't work in Florida State, but was at the baseball convention uh, a couple weeks ago. The, everybody knows about the football convention, which was last week. A lot of the wheel, wheeling and dealing is done between coaches getting new jobs at the AFCA football convention. A week or so before that, they had the baseball convention. And uh, from what I was told, Chuck Rosano, FSU's new pitching coach, 
um, who came with Link Jarrett from Notre Dame was a presenter. He actually was one of the people that presented in front of a thousand coaches. And uh, I was told it was highly impressive. And the person said to me, uh, man, Florida State's in good shape. And I've, you know, we, I met Chuck Ristano. I've been impressed with him. Clearly he's been very impressive. The job they, they did at Notre Dame, that entire staff came with Link Jarrett to Tallahassee. And we all knew they were impressive, but it's cool to hear somebody in the business say that they saw him present to a thousand college coaches and, uh, or maybe some high school coaches too, but um, he could not have been more impressive. So yeah, man, the question is, I just don't know if they have the talent there yet. Um, But, but I think it's, I'm excited about baseball season without question. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, Mike Metcalf and uh, meet did a good job on the recruiting trail. And, And so they had set the table there and link was able to close the deal and retain uh, a bevy of talented players that, yeah, if you get a couple of freshmen to contribute early, especially in that lineup, then I think, and, I think wheels turn real fast and you start to think, Oh, this, this could be a, a run. And can he unlock, you know, some of these, they've got some guys in that team that have worlds of talent. I mean, yep. Carson Montgomery. And so there's some other guys on this team that have tons of talent that haven't played to the level that they could talent wise. And so can these guys get that out of them? And if they do, man, yeah, they're, there's no reason they can't get them off. So you're not going to answer the question with football. I was uh, wondering if you were going to answer the question with football. I, I wouldn't. I I would not pick football. I would. I just because I think there's so many other teams that are like you said. I mean, that soccer and softball have to be at the top of the list until somebody says they're not, or until they prove that they're not. Um, you know, I just think that those are the the you know the the challenge for football is going to be you know you know you're playing in the ACC. You just have such margin, little margin for error. Um, the fact that Clemson wasn't even discussed even discussed as a possibility to get into the playoff kind of bothered me. Um, you know, they had two losses, but they won the ACC championship and it wasn't even like they, I don't even just, even if somebody else lost it, like it didn't seem like they were even in the conversation. So if you have two losses, that's a high bar. Um, so I would say no, but I'm looking forward to when the, uh, the playoff expands for sure. Mark C. Johnson. That is correct. Florida state cheerleading did win. A national. They did. Congratulations to them. I heard the Golden Girls came in third, too, for uh, nice. their particular national. Uh, we got people all around Tallahassee dialed into everything. So I got a text yesterday saying, how about that? Congratulations to them. And so we wish them congratulations. So who joins them, I guess, Mark? That that should have been the question the way I worded it. But there's a ton of content going to document all of these sports as uh, they, they're on the road uh, to either the College Cup, the College Football Playoff, Omaha, Oklahoma City, you name it, we'll cover it here at Warchant TV. We got some great stuff coming up in the next day or two with a live show tomorrow at one o'clock. Ira, it's a little Tuesday seminal headlines right. with you, Jeff, and I saw your tweet today. Corey will be present in the studio. Are you pumped? It's a, it's, it's like a, a manna from heaven. It's when Corey actually graces us with his pen, with his presence in the studio. It's, it's a much better show. So we're excited about that. And like you said, yeah, we got plenty of content coming at the site. Um, I actually uh, have a story up in the morning. Uh, I interviewed Jaston Turnitine uh, a couple days ago. He, um, I don't think he's spoken really to the media since the bowl game when he got injured and you had the whole scene at the end of the game where all the players came over to him on the cart. He got emotional when I was talking to him about it. Um, this was, you know, just a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks after it happened. Um, you know, so I've got a, a story about him coming up on the site. We'll also have, I think Corey's doing a, a story. They interviewed um, uh, the star women's basketball player, uh, uh, Tania Lassen, who's having just a tremendous uh, freshman season, just set an, NC, or an ACC record with her ninth straight uh, ACC Rookie of the Week award. Um, nice. So that's kind of – then I think they got a video interview that people might be able to find the video interview on the channel. And then also uh, I think it will be on Wake Up War Chant. Um, Corey's doing some columns on FSU football, so plenty of content uh, for sure at warchant.com. I don't know if she scored 30 yesterday in the loss to Louisville. She but did not. Yeah, it wasn't her best day against Louisville. She had 31 the game before, though. I think it's seven now, seven 30-point performances as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And it's just unbelievable what's going on. And Coach Brooke is doing a wonderful job with yeah. that program. And uh, maybe that's one that's in a, a, a bigger conversation than we thought before the season as well. Yeah. Eric Angel's fishing for it, Eric. He says, FSU baseball goes to Omaha. Me and you keg stands at the CP. Eric, they, they got to at least hit <laughs> the final three. Look. I know I, I like that we've opened the door for keg tacklers, but I, I think you guys had discussed it on that day that they got to get to 11 wins. I think it's a minimum 11 wins or a college football playoff berth or an ACC championship for football in order to go back to funnels and keg stands. 
just getting to Omaha is not enough, Eric. Wouldn't you agree, Ira? I want to be on the council here, the small council. I think Eric's name should be Eric Devil because he, he's not the <laughs> angel on your shoulder. He's the devil on your shoulder, always trying to get us to do keg stands. Change your name, Eric. We see through you. Uh, he's one of the pillars. We enjoy Eric's comments. And look, it was his brainchild, but that was a wonderful special broadcast. And it was all thanks to a, a simple question in a chat that I couldn't believe Jeff said yes to. He said, sure. I'll do a keg stand. I thought, my God, what is going on here? So that's what we got to look forward to. Not keg stands, but a ton of content coming up on War Chant. Ira, pick the Monday night game, the, the playoff game before we sign off. Are you taking the boys or the Bucks? I will not bet against Tom Brady. I'm going with the Bucks. Yep. Ryan Jensen's playing Ira. That's the starting center who hasn't played all year long for Tampa. That is a huge deal. So well, we know we don't know how long he'll last, but we know he'll get in a couple cheap shots, right? That's correct. Ryan Jensen is a cheap shot artist. Uh, he is not helping with the stereotype being redheaded, and he's also got a mean streak. Not helping with the stereotype whatsoever. Uh, but I look forward to hopefully a, a balanced offensive attack. You know, Ira, they averaged like 76 yards rushing a game this year, the Bucks. It's been Just, painful. It, is, it has been terrible to watch. But with him back, <laughs> maybe things get better. I'm picking well, the Bucks too, Tom. I'm going to say that Tampa crosses into the 20s. My God, that's a rare occurrence this year. Bucks 27, Cowboys 17. Let me ask you this. How tight are the sphincters going to be on the Cowboys sideline if the Bucks play well? If Brady's if Brady's dealing, how tight? I mean, man, could you imagine? Uh, I could, and I would like to see it. <laughs> um, that's They did it against Carolina in that fourth quarter. Uh, Mike Evans had he went for 200 yards. I, I didn't think that the offense could do that anymore, but uh, we'll see if they throw it back. One more playoff game to go this weekend. It starts in 15 minutes. Go Bucks. He's Ira. I'm Tom. We're so thankful to all of you who joined yes. us for Monday Smash. Remember, this is the new night and time, 7 p.m. on Mondays. Moving forward, there are petitions out there that we change the name of the show to Monday Mash. We'll discuss that behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, thank you to our friends at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Throw us a like before you leave, if you would, please, and subscribe to our channel. It's absolutely free. So cheers, everybody. Enjoy the football tonight, and we will talk to you soon right here on War Chant TV.